Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. Cicely, Elliot, and Timothy. Previously, we'd lived in South London. We'd attended Balham Vineyard Church, now known as Vineyard 61. For the last seven years, we went to that church on one of its first Sundays. And afterwards, everyone was invited back to the leader's house for lunch. Around the table, there was a person with a big bottle of cider sitting next to the pastor's children, someone across from me who clearly had strong mental health problems. We got the impression that everyone was welcomed and accepted and could belong. People from different uh, backgrounds, different circumstances, and we'll hear about in the passage we look at today. I thought perhaps we got a glimpse of heaven. We love that church because of its posture of loving in the community, of going out from Monday to Saturday, running a job club, doing healing on the streets believe that our faith is something that we can practice every day and that Jesus commands us to love and love and love. The the pastors of that church would tell us often that the awesome is in the awkward. It can be awkward to share life, awkward to be in community with each other, living in a world where often we celebrate independence rather than interdependence. We moved out of London, came to Sussex. We came here for that first Sunday and we immediately felt welcome. Isabel literally took us under her wing and came and sat with us. We love the commitment to community that we saw here with Rohan and Anna and and so many others. The way that there are possibilities to share meals together, the breakfasts and lunches that we shared, the times that we spent socializing together. We love the fact that our children immediately felt welcomed and accepted. Wonderful friends here. I'm not speaking to you as a theologian or as a a Bible scholar. I'm a fellow pilgrim on the way. I speak from my heart, speak from my experiences. I look forward to learning from you, to hearing from you. I'm speaking to, to you today early on in a series on Ephesians. In particular, we're going to look at the second chapter, verses 11 to 22. We'll spend some time reflecting on it. I believe that it's a passage which encourages us to unity in the church, which gives us a glimpse of the peace that Jesus can offer this world, filled with division as it is. We'll reflect a little bit on the church's story through Jesus's family story. We'll reflect on Britain's family story, and I'll share something of my family story. Then, towards the end, we'll have a time reflecting on the passage together in small groups, doing something called Lexio Divina. It's a prayerful way of reading scripture. You may be familiar with it. Recognizing that God can speak to us just as we are through his scripture today. I've worked in prison since I was 18 years old. I love the fact that Paul wrote Ephesians whilst he was imprisoned by the Romans. I've seen so much beauty come out of prison. 
so many incredible leaders leading from prison and after coming out of prison. In this book, he reflects on the Gospels and reflects on how we should live as people who follow Jesus, how we can equip ourselves within our churches, within our families, within our communities to be people who spread love and who spread peace. Lauren's just prayed for the situation in Israel and Palestine. As we look out, we look at the news or uh, the newspapers, I think for me, Fear can feel almost overwhelming. I think we make all of our decisions out of love or fear. How as Christians can we equip ourselves to keep loving, not to succumb to fear, and to be people who go out and spread peace? I think this is what we're being challenged now more than ever to consider. So let's read this passage for a first time. We're going to read it multiple times over the course of uh, this morning. So from Ephesians 2, 11 to 22, Jew and Gentile reconciled through Christ. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Again and again and again, this passage returns to the themes of unity and togetherness and peace. People 
from different backgrounds, as we are in this church, as we are in this country, as we are in the global church, coming together to recognize what we have in common, not to succumb to our differences. I love this idea of unity, but it seems so hard for us to achieve as the human race. My dad came from Jamaica. Jamaica's motto is, out of many, one people. I think that's what this passage encourages us. How as the church do we grow together as one people? I wonder how familiar you are with your family story, with the people that you came from, who your ancestors were, with their traditions, their ways of being. One of the things I find amazing when I think about Jesus is his family story about the people that he came from. As I said, I spent my life working in prisons with sex workers and on death row with people who've killed. I'm amazed that Jesus' ancestor was Rahab, the prostitute, or David, who murdered. But Jesus was born of an unmarried mother in a shelter. But soon after his birth, he and his family had to flee to Egypt as refugees to escape him being killed. I believe that in Jesus' family story, in the circumstances of Jesus' birth, in the circumstances of Jesus' childhood, was a foretaste of the compassion, of the grace, of the love, of the mercy that his life would represent, that we're invited to live out each day as Christians in the church and with people beyond. As I read the Gospels, as I look at how Jesus interacted with people, especially foreigners or those who were outcasts, and the way that he welcomed them in to the family that he was building, I'm moved. I look at the story of the Good Samaritan. It wasn't the Levite or the priest who were held in high esteem by their society that Jesus held up as showing Christ-like love and compassion, but it was the Samaritan who was on the margin, who was excluded for not being Jewish. As we take time to consider Jesus' life and his example, it challenges us, I think. It challenges me to move towards those that others have rejected. To recognize that when we go to the margins of our community, when we go to the margins of our society, we can find Christ. And we can be transformed in those places. As we think about Britain's family story, recognizing that we're a country made up of people who've come here as foreigners and found belonging, the Celts, the Saxons, the Romans, others from elsewhere in Europe and beyond. People have come here for many reasons and found belonging. October's Black History recognizes that there have been black people in Britain since Roman times. It's also the 75th anniversary this year of the Windrush arriving, the ship that came filled with men and women and children who responded to the British government's invitation to come to Britain after the Second World War to help to rebuild this country. It marked the beginning of mass immigration from the West Indies, Africa, elsewhere in the empire and the, the Commonwealth. 
as we receive people with different gifts and talents from around the world. And we've grown together. As a country, we've had opportunities to innovate, to pioneer, to build, drawing on our different gifts and talents and backgrounds. I believe that's what we have to do as a church. It's not always easy. Sometimes we find division. Sometimes we push others away. My dad came here in 1960 as part of the Windrush generation. I was speaking to a man called Brother Black, a good friend of mine. He's 90. came here in 1962. He'd been a member of the Anglican Church in Jamaica. When he came here, he went to his local Anglican Church. The vicar said to him, I like you, but you shouldn't come to this church. I like you, but you might scare away other members of the congregation. As much as we can look to Jesus' life and example of reaching out to each other, of loving each other, it's so easy for me, for us to fall short of that love and to focus on our differences rather than what we have in common. I wonder how today we each recommit ourselves to seeing the image of Christ in each person that we come across recognizing that each person that we encounter is our brother, our sister. For me, as someone who comes from Jamaican ancestors, but also English and Irish and Scottish, DNA shows that our Jamaican ancestors mostly came from uh, Nigeria. I consider myself a citizen of the world. I believe that recognizing my multicultural background allows me each person to be my brother and sister, to find belonging wherever I go. Hannah's mother was born in Nigeria, a child of medical missionaries there, and she grew up there. Now her family live in Wales. Given this background, our hope is that our children can find unity with whoever they meet, as this passage encourages us. Can remove the barriers of hostility which the passage mentions when it comes to people whose ways of being or cultures are different from their own. Family has, hasn't always been easy for Hannah and for me. We've been married for 12 years. Our family life has been filled with moments of joy and adventure. We've lived in Uganda and Kenya and America. A training psychiatrist. As you've heard little from Rohan. I'm a criminal barrister. I run an organization that trains prisoners and prison officers in Uganda and Kenya and the Gambia as lawyers and paralegals. We defend those who have no one else to defend them. We believe that no one should be punished without having a chance to tell their side of the story. We work with people who are imprisoned innocently and who are guilty of. believing that none of us is uh, good or bad, that those of us who've made huge mistakes can still be used in powerful ways by God, and the Bible gives us examples of it again and again. Hannah and I find that we're transformed through our work, through trying to love like Jesus does, but that it can also take its toll on our hearts. This message of unity, of reconciliation that today's passage speaks about, takes its toll on us. 
Oscar Wilde, the novelist who was imprisoned in this country in Victorian times, said, the problem with prison isn't that it breaks our hearts. Our hearts are made to be broken, but rather it turns our hearts to stone. How do we live as Kingdom Faith Crawley with soft hearts? So that we don't succumb to the hostility this passage talks about. So we don't succumb to division. So we have grace for each other. So that we're people of peace, as this passage refers to. We can look at the conflict in the world today on many different scales. And ask, how can we be people who build bridges invite others in to peace. I believe again and again and again, we need to turn to Jesus' example and equip ourselves with it. But even so, it can be overwhelming. For Hannah, as we had our hearts battered doing the work that we do with people with mental illness and in prison, as we had multiple miscarriages, as we accompanied family members who were very sick, as my father died, we saw that it can be easy to lose our love and in doing so, to lose our saltiness. It can be easy to become hard-hearted. When I was 28 and been doing this work in prison for about 10 years, I'd seen people being tortured. I'd seen people being killed. I believed I was doing God's work. I believed that I was fulfilling my calling. And I'd lost my love in doing so. I'd heard of Worth Abbey, a Benedictine monastery, about 15 minutes from here, I went to, to try and find some solace or sanctuary. I spent a number of days there with the monks, joining them as they have six or seven services a day in the Abbey Church, eating meals with them, having extended periods of silence, learning about Lexio Divina, this prayerful way of reading the Bible. One of the things I learned about myself that I believed that God had called me to do justice work. I'd had prophetic uh, words again and again about the way that I'd work for justice. I felt like a man on a mission. But I'd forgotten that I didn't need to be the answer to my prayers, that God would be. That I care about justice passionately, but that before me, countless others cared about justice. Countless others do now others will again once I'm dead and once my organization is gone. I think the challenge for me and for each of us is to understand what little piece of work has God given us that is ours uniquely to do and how do we do it with courage, with bravery? How do we not shirk away from it? But also how do we stay close to God all the time as we do so? For me I can get lost in my busyness sense of responding to a crisis as I go into prisons and meet people who've been there for five or ten or twenty years without trial. Or going to Juba Women's Prison in South Sudan. And as the gate was opened, I saw a woman with chains on her arms and legs. I said to the officer escorting me, why is she chained up? I said, we chain our lunatics, which is about a third of the prisoners, and say, this person has a mental health problem. They're taken to prison. There's no treatment. But we also chain those that are going to be executed, and although South Sudan's the world's youngest country, it's still hanging people. I said to the officer escorting me, what's going to happen to this woman in front of me? I said, well, with her and a number of the other women here, she's not done anything wrong. It was her husband who was accused of a capital crime. But because the police couldn't find the husband, they arrested his wife. 
and she was tried and sentenced to be executed in this place. I met an Australian prison officer working with the United Nations in prisons in South Sudan who told me about a five-year-old child swimming in a river with a three-year-old friend. The three-year-old drowned and the five-year-old was sentenced to death for murder. So for me, seeing such things, seeing people who've been tortured terribly by the police, gave me this sense of urgency that I need to respond now. Don't people see what's happening? Don't they realize the way that people are suffering? My heart was broken by the things I saw. I should remember that God's heart was broken as well. And that as we try and live out our calling, whatever it looks like, for me it looks like justice. I don't know what it looks like for you to remember that we're running a marathon, not a sprint. That if we're going to be people of love and peace and unity, as this passage encourages us, we need to be attentive to our relationship with God. We need to have people in our lives who will nurture and sustain us. Who remind us that we're beloved unconditionally. That we don't have to keep earning again and again our salvation. We don't have to keep proving ourselves to God. Rowan spoke powerfully a few weeks ago about the thorn in Paul's side and that God's grace was sufficient for it. I don't know what you're going through in life at the moment. Hannah and I are having a tough time. It's been an incredibly hard few months for us. I'm mindful of um, American pastor Nadia Boltz Weber, who I respect a lot. She said, we should preach from our scars and not from our wounds. I won't go into detail now, but perhaps in the future, um, I will. I don't know how life feels for you. If you're feeling battered and bruised, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you look out in the world and you just feel sad, I've looked at the, the news this week, I look at the images coming from the Middle East, there's a sense of sadness. I think in those moments when we've reached the end of our capacity, we're invited to turn again and again and again to God with trust, with expectation, with openness. It can be really easy, I think, when life's going to plan, if you've got a good job, if your family's in a great place, to kind of have God slightly on the margin. And sometimes it's only when you reach crisis that you say, God, I need you because I can't rely on myself anymore. It was like, it was like that for Hannah and I when we lost twins in the middle of pregnancy in 2019. As someone who's used to looking years in the future and having plans and leading people, difficult to look to the next day because our hearts were broken. But actually sometimes when we're looking out on the world with brokenheartedness, we can see others around us whose hearts are aching. We can recognize the word that someone slips into a sentence when they tell us, actually, I'm not okay. We can see the expression of sadness on someone's face, which means that they need an encouraging word or a prayer and ask to love on them in some way. COVID, Hannah and I uh, became uh, homeless. Again, we found sanctuary at Worth um, Abbey, and the Worth community took us in and offered us a place to live. We're delighted to have made Sussex our home. As we continue to work out how we uh, live out our calling in the world, how we work for justice, how we accompany those in prison and those um, with mental illness, we're glad to be a part of this community. 
we recognize that we need to balance this desire to act, to do, to make a change with rooting ourselves in God and having spiritual disciplines that sustain us. One of those for me is Lectio Divina. It means divine reading. The idea is that each time we read a piece of scripture, maybe we've read it a hundred times before, maybe we're a Muslim or we have no faith and we've never read it, that God can speak to us through it. If life's going to plan, if we're doing great in our faith, or if we're high on drugs, or we're drunk, we're brokenhearted, or we're filled with shame, that God can speak to us just as we are. For me, that makes me so um, hopeful, knowing that God can change our situation in an instant, that he's always with us, always holding us, always ready to welcome us. There's a, a ecumenical Christian community in France called the Teze community. They have a prayerful way of worshiping. And one of their songs they sing, it's in Italian, but it says, the Lord restores you. God doesn't run from you. He comes to meet you. Sometimes I think we can run from God. However far we run, he's always there with us. And so now we're going to do Lexio, looking at this passage. We're going to read it a number of times and reflect in silence. I know that silence can be uncomfortable for some of us. It certainly was for me. But I think in those moments of silence, we have a possibility to hear what's going on within us, what's going on around us, maybe what God's saying to us. We'll read the passage, we'll reflect, and then in small groups of four or five, there'll be a chance to share an echo. Initially, it'll just be a word or a phrase from the passage. If you have one to share, it speaks to you with no explanation. We'll read it a second time, there'll be a chance to share what's God saying to you right now just as you are I don't know how you're doing this morning maybe you're full of grief maybe you're drunk maybe you're brokenhearted maybe life's going exactly in the way that you hoped but regardless there's a possibility to share how God's speaking to you now through this and if we have time there'll be a chance to read the passage for a third time and share how we commit to responding to this passage in the hours and days and at the end, there'll be a chance to pray in response to the passage. And if you want to come forward and have prayer, there'll be a chance to do so. As I said early on, I think life is much easier when we do it by ourselves. And our society celebrates independence. We can go far when we're by ourselves. It's time-consuming to take interest in those around us, especially when they've got problems. It requires us slowing down. It requires us to put our agenda Second, it requires that we allow ourselves to feel when those around us share their feelings with us. But I think life becomes rich when we depend on each other. I think we can love more fully when we share life with each other. I think we grow stronger as a community when we begin to trust each other and we can share what's really going on church we don't just have to present a good front we're able to speak candidly with each other that's my hope for how i can show up here that's my hope for the community that i'm uh, part of that's my invitation for us now
So if you can find three or four people to be in a small group with, my wife uh, encouraged me that if that sounds really uh, uncomfortable for you, it's all right to do this by yourself. But I think that there can be richness in being together and hearing others' um, reflections. Please get together. Maybe you're sitting in a little circle and spend a couple of minutes just checking in with each other, saying how um, you're doing this moment. And then I'll tell us the next step. So this is just a chance to check in with each other. I know we've got some overachievers who are jumping uh, forward, which is great. But this is just a chance to say hello. How are you doing? What's on your mind? I'm going to teach, uh, take us every step of the way. You can relax. Take it easy. Trust. This is just a chance to say hello. You'll have a chance to continue getting to know each other in the coming period and the weeks to come. So we'll pause introductions there. I hope that each of you has had a chance to be heard, uh, at least briefly. And as we pause introductions, we'll continue. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read the gospel for the, um, the first time. We'll read it, we'll have a time of silence, and if you want to share a word or phrase from the passage without any explanation, you can do so in your small group. I'm going to ask my wife, Hannah, I'm sorry, Hannah, to come and read the passage uh, for us, but I'll pray first. God, thank you that you're with us, that you hold us, that you sustain us, that you love us just as we are. God, thank you for the possibility of unity that Jesus' life and death offers. Thank you, Jesus, for being the Prince of Peace. to choose peace. Help us to make ourselves bridge builders. Help us to see each person as our brother and sister. Help us to love. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We ask that you speak to us now. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. So Hannah will read have a moment of silent reflection and then if you want to share a word or a phrase from the passage which is spoken to you with no explanation just a word or phrase there's a chance to do so jew and gentile reconcile through christ therefore remember that formerly you who are gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the human body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near.
for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Kathy's going to come forward and read the passage for us for a second time. And as we listen, and as we reflect on it, there's a chance to ask God, God, what are you saying to me through this passage today, right here, right now, just as I am? What are you telling me? And if we'd like to share that in our small groups, we can do so. Thanks, Kathy. Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at this that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus. You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to you who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we'll take a moment to reflect silently. Then if we want to share what God's saying to us personally, it's not what he's saying to other people. It's not a sermon that we're giving, but our personal reflection or echo from the passage, we can do so.
Jesus hin. If you'd like to continue um, praying uh, at the end, please do so. If you'd like to come up and pr pray with me or Pastor Rohan or uh, uh, someone else, please um, do so. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for giving me this uh, opportunity to share with you. As we reflect in this idea of Jew and Gentile reconciled through Christ, I hope we can go out and be people of reconciliation. I leave you with this uh, Franciscan blessing, which has challenged and encouraged me. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that we may live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war, so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. And may God bless us with enough foolishness to believe that we can do that which others say cannot be done, to bring justice and kindness to all our children in the poor. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.